Hall Arise! Welcome to the Motorsports Ministry. For all the latest hot takes and gossip around the racing industry, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, and more. All right, congregation, take your seats. Here's the man, the myth, the legend, the Motorsports Minister, Armani DePaul. What's going on, congregation? It's the Motor Minister Armani DePaul, and welcome to another episode of the Motorsport Ministry, a home for all the latest hot takes going on in the racing world. Today's episode is going to be very IndyCar and NASCAR heavy, not going to talk a lot about Formula One, but we will dive more to F1 as we get closer to the Monaco Grand Prix weekend, but we're going to be talking about Indy 500 qualifying, Graham Rahal getting bumped from the field nearly 30 years to the day as his father got bumped from the same race. And we'll talk about the all-star race at North Wilkesboro Speedway. You know, the North Wilkesboro experiment is out behind us. How did it pan out? We're going to get all into that starting right now. All right, so I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bushes here when it comes to qualifying for the Indianapolis 500. We'll talk about, you know, who I think is going to win the race, who I think, you know, we'll talk about the pole sitter, everything going on, but I want to talk about the number one thing that came out of Sunday's last chance qualifier for the Indianapolis 500, and that is Graham Rahal. Nearly 30 years to the day, as I alluded to in the intro, gets bumped from the Indianapolis 500. Now, I was watching, I was in the simulator, you know, doing some iRacing while Bump Day was going on, and I was with my buddy Caden, who's also my teammate on iRacing for the school, and when Graham got bumped, he made a comment how Graham looked like he was about to cry. First of all, I want to delve a little more into that just discussion. To make the Indianapolis 500 is one of, and you can make a very good argument, one of, if not the biggest accomplishment in sports. Maybe besides the Super Bowl. But to even qualify for the Indianapolis 500, I say it's probably one of the biggest, maybe the better phrase is, it's one of the most challenging. It's one of the most difficult things to accomplish. You don't believe me? Graham Rahal, who got bumped, he was a full, well, he is a full-time driver. He's an IndyCar winner, a multiple IndyCar winner, and ever since his rookie year in 2008, has qualified for every Indianapolis 500, except for this one. You want to know how hard it is to make the Indianapolis 500? I believe... The pull speed to Jack Harvey, who's the, the final qualifier, was only about four miles, four or five miles. Folks, 
if you just drive 30 to 35 miles down the street, it's not that big of a difference. Yeah, it's a little bit of a difference, but it's not that big of a difference when you see someone going 30 compared to 35. So imagine how close that gap is. Except you bump that 30 and 35 to over 225 miles an hour. Think about that. To make the Indy 500, you would have had to, at the very least, gone just shy of 230 miles an hour. We're talking inches, milliseconds. That is how difficult it is to make the Indianapolis 500. That's how close the field is. Folks, the field has never been closer than it is today. In fact, the exact number as to how much Grant Rahal got eliminated from the 500 is 0.0044 seconds. Not even five one thousandths of a second. Four, about four and a four point, yeah, about four one thousandths of a second. That's how much it took to make the Indy 500. And again, Graham's a full-time driver. Graham is a multiple-time IndyCar winner. And he couldn't make the field. I, I don't think we understand like just how big Indy 500 qualifying is. It's so big that I tune into that more than the All-Star Open and to the truck race at North Wilkesboro, which we'll get into those later on. But that's to tell you, at least in my opinion, how big it is in terms of qualifying for the Indianapolis 500. Number one, just because it's the biggest race of the year. I mean the biggest race of the year should have the most important qualification to enter. And number two, it's really the only qualifying that really matters nowadays in auto racing. You don't believe me? I mean, NASCAR is a charter system. All the big names, they're going to make the field. Unless, you know, really this was the only year for the Daytona 500 where you could have a big name like Jimmy Johnson go home, but that's about it. You got F1. There's only 20 drivers and, and 10 teams. And, I mean, you've seen what's going on with Andretti trying to get an F1. I mean, the teams are completely against even the thought of having another team. So you'll probably never see bumping in Formula 1, probably for the next century, I'd have to imagine. Sports cars, they don't really get that many full fields. I mean, even for Lamont, it's more of an invitation than just going for it. So you have the Indianapolis 500. That it's not a guarantee to make the field. You have to earn it. And to me, I'm more of a purist racing fan. I think that's how all racing should be, period. Like, I love the charter system in NASCAR just because I love how it gives teams value. I don't like the idea how teams are locked into the field. I really don't like that. I think that, I mean, yeah, you might say, oh... What if Chase Elliott misses the field? Well, they should have done a better job to make the field then. It's that plain and simple. Same thing with, you could say, oh, what if Graham Rahal, Graham Rahal missed the field? How can you allow a full-time driver to miss the field? Well, he should have done a better job. That's like having an A-plus president's student not get a job where he wants to go. Maybe he didn't do a better job in college. Or, you know, maybe he didn't do 
a better job to make his mark. I mean, it's more than just getting grades. You have to do something else in that same vein. Just because you compete full-time, that doesn't automatically give you a right to be locked into every race. And that's what I love so much about the Indy 500. It, no one is safe. Every lap, every position matters. I mean, look at it. Look at every time the Indy 500 has a bump day, the headlines it draws. Can you imagine the headlines for NASCAR if Jimmy Johnson were to miss the Daytona 500? As a Jimmy fan, I would hate it. But imagine the headlines. People would probably still talk about it today. I mean, we still talk about Fernando Alonso and McLaren getting bumped to 2019. We're going to talk about this Graham Rahal bump for years to come. That is how significant it is. It's also significant for the team. Again, Graham Rahal was crying. That's how big of a deal, folks, the Indy 500 is. You don't make the field. It brings more emotions out than if you win the pole. Because, yeah, you win the pole, that's great. But you don't. But you get bumped. You don't even have a shot at the biggest race in the world. That is how important bump day is for IndyCar. That is why I love it. Could some of the formats change? Yeah, of course. But just... Knowing that no one is safe. Knowing that the defending champ can go home. Knowing that the most popular driver could go home. Knowing that the biggest storyline could go home. Go home. I mean, folks, think about it. What do you remember more from the 2019 Indianapolis 500? Simon Pagano winning the race or Fernando Alonso McLaren getting eliminated? I hear a lot more talk about the, the latter than I do the former. At least I do. But enough about just the gravitas of getting bumped. What went wrong with Graham Rahal? Really, it was just a problem with the whole Rahal, Letterman, Lanigan team. I mean, going into the last chance qualifier, three out of the four cars were out of the Rahal, Letterman, Lanigan stable. And in fact, the final driver to lock themselves in on Saturday before the slowest four went out on Sunday to have one more shot, was a Ray Hall car, was Catherine Leigh. And she barely made it by the skin of her teeth. Think about it, think about it this way. If Stingray Rob were to if Stingray Rob were to just get a little bit more out of Saturday, Ray Hall would have had a guaranteed driver to miss the show. I don't know what was going on with that team. Maybe something to do with the drag, because if you watched on the broadcast, whether it was on NBC or Peacock, it, felt, it looked like with the Ray Hall cars, especially looking at miles per hour, they just couldn't get up there. I'd see every other car, when they were down the straightaways, they'd go, okay, 231, 232, 233. It would constantly build. It was never like that with the Ray Hall cars. It's like once they got to 31, 32, the car would just stall out. It would just stay there. It looked consistent through the corners, yes, but the straightaway speed was just not there. So that tells me it's probably a drag issue. And that might, that might be a problem for this team going forward in the 500. I highly doubt they're going to be that competitive. We'll see once we get to Sunday. But, I mean, let's just say this. Three out of the four bottom four cars are all Ray Hall cars. That's a reason. I don't think they're going to be that competitive four, five, for the 500. Going to be drafting, play more involved, so we'll wait and see. But... That team has a lot of work to do. They even want to sniff the top half of the field on Sunday. So that's bump day. 
Let's talk a little more about the, uh, let's talk a little more about pole. So, obviously, I kind of feel bad for the winner of the 500 pole, Alex Polo, because you'd think it'd be such a big deal. You won the pole for the Indianapolis 500. But, I mean, I mean Bump Day just clouds that. Bump Day just overshadows the pole winner. It's like, after Bump Day, you kind of forget that you have to, we got pole coming. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. We still got to decide who who's going to win the pole for the 500. Now, I was the impression it was going to be a McLaren driver. So either Felix Rosenquist, Alexander Rossi, Paddle Award, or Tony Kanaan. Because, I mean, those McLarens were just consistently faster. It looked like they were so much faster than the rest of the field. But it wasn't a McLaren driver. It was Alex Pillow, the 2021 IndyCar champion, who won the poll for the Indianapolis 500. So I made a video, I made an episode about Alex Pillow a couple weeks back, talking about how, you know, with this being kind of a lame duck year for him and Chip Ganassi Racing, is he really going to be able to step up to the plate? Well, so far this month, he's definitely stepped up to the plate, won the Indy GP wins the pole for the Indy 500, and we know how good Alex Pillow is at the 500. He's been top five, I believe, every time he's competed at the 500. He has a podium or two here in this race, so Alex Pillow is going to be a dangerous threat for the Indianapolis 500. But let's go over the rest of the top six who went for the pole. Renus VK was just behind. He'll start second, and then on the outside of row one, Felix Rosenquist will start third. And for those of you who don't know, Another thing I love about the Indianapolis 500, they start three wide. Three wide starts. 11 rows of three. You know, usually for racing, you have, you know, however many rows of two, but the 500 is different. You have, they're going into turn one three wide. It doesn't get more exciting than that, folks. But, let's talk about it again. Let's go back to the rest of the field. Santino Ferrucci, fourth Alex, or excuse me, Paddle Award rounds out the top five, and Scott Dixon will come off six. I'm telling you folks right now, Ferrucci, if he continues to stay in IndyCar and gets good equipment, he's going to win an Indy 500. He's always up front at this race. He's an Indy 500 Rookie of the Year. I believe he's top 10 in every Indy 500 he's competed in. Santino Ferrucci, mark my words, that guy will one day win an Indianapolis 500. He's too good at the track not to. Wouldn't be surprised if he won the race this year. That Those AJ Ford cars look bad fast. So, what else do we have to look forward to before the Indianapolis 500 itself? Well, they just ran their final practice today. We had a crash. I believe it was Catherine Lake, you know, one of the Ray Hall drivers. I believe who another driver got into a crash. It was Stefan Wilson. He got involved into an accident. He actually had to be hospitalized. Nothing too serious, just for further evaluation, but hopefully he's okay. Again, it just shows the danger of IndyCar racing. Again, when you're driving around a two-and-a-half-mile track at over 230 miles an hour, yeah, you're going to have some danger. But in terms of the guys who look fast in that practice, Will Power led there. Scott Dixon was up there. Pelot was up there in practice. Tony Kanan was up there in practice. So a lot of the same characters are going to be there. Now, they have a final practice, May 26th, the Friday before the 500 at 11 a.m. And then you have the race itself on May 28th at 1230. I can't wait for this race. I think this is going to be a competitive Indy 500. 
It's so close. It's going to come down to minuscule details. Though I will say this. I'll go on to this in a later episode. You know, previewing the 500 a little bit more. It's not going to be that action-packed. Probably for the first 50 to 70, 50 to 100 laps. Just because everyone's taking care of their stuff. But at the end, it'll get a lot more exciting. But we'll talk more about that in a later episode. Previewing the Indy 500 a little bit more. But, I mean, what else can you say? The Indy 500, when there's... More cars and entries. It doesn't get more exciting than that. The bumping is always something to look forward to. And we only got a couple days left till the greatest spectacle in racing. And I am so excited for this race. I don't even have a race winner pick yet. But because there's so many good choices. But I'll have one eventually. And then once I put out the episode later on in the week, I will have my race winning pick. And hopefully it sticks through. I was able to pick the 2019 and 2018 drivers correctly. So hopefully... Same again for 2023. All right, so I know I didn't document a lot of North Wilkesboro coming into the weekend. Mostly just because I wanted to see for myself what the product was going to look like. I wanted to see, okay, how is this, you know, returning to the track that we haven't been to in nearly 30 years. I wanted to see the final result before I talk about it. Because you got a lot of folks out there saying, oh, we're hyped for this, we're hyped for that, we're worried about this, we're worried about that. I wanted to see, okay, what did the final product look like? And to me, the final product, I appreciate, I really loved the novelty of going back to North Wilkesboro. Especially after Darlington, especially after Throwback Weekend, basically to have two weeks in a row where you kind of go back to NASCAR's past, it's kind of refreshing in a way to have a good chunk of time where you just get to celebrate the history of NASCAR instead of just one or one week, maybe two weeks out of the whole year. Back-to-back is refreshing. The novelty. Loved it. I, I talked about it with some friends while I was watching the races. I loved how the track looked. Just worn out surface, even just the old school field, the grandstands and everything around it. I just loved how the track looked. Just the aesthetics. I loved it. I loved the experience. I mean, just get to experience the racing, even for the broadcast, because I'm a broadcaster, so I always like to pay attention to the broadcast. Just to see Mike Joy. Daryl Waltrip, Larry Mack, back in the booth, the trio. Yeah, yeah, Boyer in there. But just to see that trio back was, I mean, it was amazing. Just to have those trio of drivers back was, you know, something great. Especially because that was kind of the trio that I grew up listening to, you know, when I started getting into NASCAR. So, the on-TV experience, great. The novelty, loved it. The on-track product. Now again, we're talking about the cup race, the all-star race. We're not talking about trucks, even though trucks was fantastic. Until it turned into, it started turning into ARCA again, and then everyone was just using themselves up. But that's a discussion for another day. Listen, we know the problems of the next-gen car short tracks. Whether it's the diffuser, something underneath the car, not enough horsepower... There's, we know the issues with this car at short tracks. 
And really, I feel the All-Star Race kind of was as good as you were going to get with, you know, everything going against it. Talking about the package. I mean, Kyle Larson, to be fair, he did quote-unquote stink up the show. But, I mean, hey, in a lot of ways, it was a throwback to NASCAR in another sense. In, you know, maybe it's not the throwback people want or thinking of in the case of a driver going out there and just absolutely dominating and no one had a real shot at it and a long green flag run. I don't believe we had any natural cautions. I think we just had the competition caution and then that was it. I believe that's all we had. So in a way that was also a throwback, but yeah, I mean, it was very hard to pass. As per usual, if you were even on that outside lane, kind of like Martinsville, though in a worse sense, you were basically stuck in no man's land. You had no shot. Yeah, you had a lot of fun things, like you had Ty Gibbs versus Michael McDowell. That was interesting while it lasted. Caused that little bit of a chain up, but you knew McDowell wasn't going to do anything. You had Kyle Larson go through the field, but then again, he was on a lot fresher tires than everyone else. To me, this was basically Martinsville. With actual tire wear. Because Martinsville, basically no tire wear. Here, because it's like a 40 plus old worn out surface. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of tire wear. I don't even think Goodyear can... I think if Goodyear even brought their hardest tire compound, they would still have massive tire fall off. That's how worn the track is. So, the racing wasn't great. But you also got to take it to account. Number one, it's an exhibition race. No one is really going to go that hard. They're not, let's just say this, if this was a points race, they would be going going a lot harder, most likely, than they would for an exhibition. Number two, it's a smaller field. If you put 40 cars on the field, it's going to be a lot more action-packed because you got a lot more lap traffic to go around. A lot more comers and goer opportunities. Here, what, 24, 25 car field? Not as many cars. So that's number two. I remember seeing people complain about on Twitter about the open races. And I was like, and or the heat races. I'm like, folks, there's nine cars on track. It's 60 laps. What do you expect? Like, so they had some things going against them. Though I will say, seeing the cup cars on rain tires at North Wilkesboro is pretty funny. It was pretty funny. It's like, wow, the first laps we're going to run in a cup car is going to be wet weather tires in 2023 at North Wilkesboro. Kind of crazy how far the sport has come just in the last 10 years, let alone five. So, I know the racing, like I mentioned, wasn't the greatest. I'm a Kyle Larson fan, so I enjoyed every second of it. Larson has now won three out of the last five All-Star races. He'll probably win it again in 2025, and all three of them have come at different tracks. He's won at Charlotte, he's won at Texas, and he's now one in North Wilkesboro. So, what's the verdict? What's the verdict for North Wilkesboro? I'm happy to say it looks like this is a, a, a overall success for the event. The crowd, even for the truck race, looked great. All-Star Open, crowd, looked great. The race, the crowd, looked great. The broadcast, great. Everything besides the product itself was great. But it looks like there's enough buzz to where 
the track is going to stay. Because that was a worry. Is North Wilkesboro really going to stay? Or is this just going to be, you know, kind of a one and done? Kind of like the Bristol All-Star Race. Thankfully, it doesn't look like that's the case. Looks like we do have a true All-Star Race here at Brist or here at North Wilkesboro. Now, I personally want this to be a points race. I want North Wilkesboro to be a points race. Because I think the product would be much better. More cars on the track. They're probably going to have to repave it just because the surface is that old. Though Denny Hamlin did mention if they do repave the track, there would be a bigger opportunity for multiple lanes. And I know people don't like short tracks to have multiple lanes. But to me, I'm like, why not? Why does every... It's, in my opinion, it's the main re It's the one thing that... It's a pet peeve of mine when people say they don't like Bristol and Richmond when they're multiple lanes, when you just have to run around the bottom. Because, like, oh, because it works so great with Martinsville. Why do we want every short track to be the same? We complain for years about how all the, all the mile-and-a-half tracks were the same, how they all raced the same. Why would you want the short, all the short tracks to race the same? I mean, think about it. Martinsville, a true bottom feeder paperclip. Bristol, that is as that is probably the most diverse changing track in the schedule. In the sense of you start off at the bottom, then you'll migrate to the top. You can work your way in the middle. You have, and then it just changes so much. It's probably the most, in terms of track conditions, it's the most changed one in the schedule. It, that's even proper grammar that I just used. Richmond. It's the largest short track. Long green flag runs are the name of the game. You have to learn to take care and manage your equipment. And what if you have North Wilkesboro? Have that middle ground between really all of them. You have the banking, if you will, of Richmond. You have the multi-group. They repave it of Bristol. And you can solve the bottom feeding of Martinsville. Because you know they're still going to go around the bottom. It's probably still going to be the preferred group. So... I personally want North Wilkesboro to stay, adds another short track to the schedule. You have the problem of all the short tracks are in kind of the same vicinity, but that's a discussion for another day. That's a discussion that's happened even on YouTube. So that's a, like I said, a discussion for another day, but I think the North Wilkesboro weekend was a success. I think many people would call it a success, and I'd say give it a cup race. I think it's earned it. The truck race was a success. Cup race was a success. Though, please bring Xfinity here as well. Have a full weekend here of on-track racing at North Wilkesboro. I mean, the county was involved. Everyone was involved. So, I mean, I'd say North Wilkesboro Speedway, the save the Speedway, has come to a close. And I'd say it was an overall success. And that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you guys want to follow us on our social medias, follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Motor Minister. If you guys want to follow us on all our major platforms, like, share, comment, all that good stuff on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Amazon, and, of course, YouTube. Appreciate all of the support. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, as always, and we'll see you in the next one.